Welcome to the channel plan. This is episode 101. We're moving on up. I am joined as always by Akash. I am live from 49ers training camp. Been here a week now, six practices in. So today, we're just going to kind of recap what, what's been going on for the first week of practice. Uh, a little stock up, stock down. Not going to get too much into the Devo stuff because you guys are already familiar with that. Uh, Akash, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. <laughs> I thought you were going to say live from Jordan Elliott's house. <laughs> <laughs> I am live from Jordan Elliott's house. And uh, Jordan, is it's been cool. So he got to go to his first practice, first media credential practice. So that was nice. Um, so Jordan has a great post on Niners Nation about Scott McLuhan, 40, former 49ers GM. And the reason that he wrote that post is we were standing off to the side and I don't know if it was Rand Carthen or one of the guys, uh, Terry Black, but it's one of the one of the guys in the personnel departments. And we're wondering, like, what do they do now that it's August? And essentially what it came down to was they're just watching the players that they just drafted and seeing how they fit in with the team. Uh, Scott said that they can't really watch, um, you know, any college players right now. And they don't even watch the first few weeks because they're playing cupcakes. So uh, a whole lot of nothing, essentially. But it was it was pretty it's a great, great article, a lot of insight just on the personnel side of things. So go to the go to the site and check that out. All right. We are going to talk again about what we've been seeing at practice. First things first, we have to start with the Royal Rumble that happened on Tuesday. So. Fred Warner, Brandon Ayuk, UFC 278 headliners. Um, this has been coming. So Fred Warner said that he's been purposely trying to agitate Brandon Ayuk. And the reason that he's doing that is because he wants Brandon Ayuk to take his game to another level. He wants him to be an elite player. And Warner actually told Brandon Ayuk that. He told the press that. So none of this should have been a surprise. But it still was a surprise, just the fact that it happened not only once, but twice. And it was for both players. The very first time, Brandon Ayuk caught a pass underneath. Well, I should, I should dress this up a little better. So the first play that kind of provoked all of this, Brandon Ayuk went to block Talano Ufunga. And he was a little bit aggressive doing so. And I didn't read anything into that. It didn't look like an issue to me. And remember, last year, Ayuk was in the doghouse for blocking so naturally he's going to do everything he can to make it at least appear that he's going hard and blocking the very next play i catch the pass underneath uh fred warner comes up and hits him and that was it <laughs> that was uh round one and raw so those two are kind of wrestling around on the ground uh, they get broken up a few other teammates hop in but that was kind of the action that you're you know you're waiting to see and i don't know how people feel about fights and training camp i look at it as a good thing i look at it like you know, hey, they care. They're trying. They're passionate. And especially when other teammates jump in, uh, the second one was a little bit bigger. So this one was all Fred's fault. There's no doubt about it. So Marcus Johnson catches a short crossing route. Fred has an angle, could just, you know, tag him, touch him. Instead, he gets under his pads and he cleats Marcus Johnson. From there, all hell broke loose. Uh, Brandon Ayuk comes screaming from the other side. Juwan Jennings comes in, and it, it looks like a tag team match in wrestling where you have the wide receivers on one side, you have the linebackers on the other, and they're just kind of getting into it. Uh, eventually, the coaches pull, pull each of the players off, but uh, you could kind of hear them talking to, like, Brandon Ayuk was not happy. He was calling the players out, telling them that, you know, you're not really about that life, essentially. Um, that lasted for about 45 seconds, and then Shanahan rounded the troops up. 
hey guys, stop it. Stop, you know, giving them stern dad talks. We are a team, this and that. I'm sure he was after practice, he, like he loved it. He was happy about it. But um, in the moment, he probably just wanted to be able to get things done. Practice ended up running like a half hour longer than usual to give you an idea of uh, how, you know, how those fights kind of interrupted practice. But um, what was your reaction, I guess, Akash? So you guys, you're, you're not there. You can't really see what's going on. So you're just seeing tweets. I loved it because once I got back on, I, I've seen just a bunch of jokes and lightheartedness about it, which is which is what the real takeaway should be. Personally, I'm always a fan of the fights just because it shows passion, right? There's only so, so long you can go, you can play against your own team, which is what they're, they've been doing for the last six days, right? It's offense versus defense, day in and day out, same thing over and over again. And eventually... You know, the Fred Warner, Brandon Ayuk thing, like you said, we saw that kind of coming because it felt like he was getting under his skin kind of all week. And I think Brandon Ayuk mentioned that he mentioned Fred Warner was he had said something in, in, in the locker room before the very first training camp practice. So you could see it building up towards this. And ultimately, it it's not like it's ruining team chemistry or anything like that. I think it's just passion in that moment, sticking up for your teammates, sticking up for your position group. And ultimately, it's a good thing. I think Fred Warner is is smart, whether he was told by the coaches to, like, push Brandon Ayuk or whether he himself is like, let me take it upon myself to irritate this guy a little bit. He's, he's just trying to get under his skin, just trying to push him. And I think based on all the accounts, it sounded like Brandon Ayuk came back after that fight, had a couple impressive plays. So just, you know, uh, you know that meme where it shows it's like an X-ray and it has like that dog inside the the ribs or whatever. Yeah. So I think that was the best one. Memes. A lot I, of those I, memes for sure. He's got that dog in him. Yeah. Um, but again, I think this is like what Warner wanted. Like he wanted to see Ayuk show emotion. He wanted to see Ayuk alive. And from there, like even, you know, when they were running their plays on offense, like Ayuk was, I guess I'm trying to figure out the best way to put it, but he was just locked in and not to say that he's not usually locked in, not to say that he's never engaged, but I just feel like, like his concentration goes, went to another level. And you can kind of see that the way he caught the ball. The only time I ever has issues is when he has like these little focus drops where you can tell, like he's just kind of out there to be out there. But when he is locked in, you can see a open like throughout the week, whether it's going up, I'm, the 49ers tweeted out the video about it in one-on-ones um, when he kind of mossed Jimmy Ward in the end zone, on that play, he jumped too early. Like he's floating in the air. He's an athlete that he's a type of athlete that doesn't really exist on every other team. Like he's superb in that regard. So um, it we'll we'll get there soon enough. But it's not going to be a surprise if he is initially um, the wide receiver one. He's a very good player, man. So I don't mind it, and and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Kyle Shanahan was Emperor Palpatine here and kind of putting that. Uh, putting planting those seeds in a Warner's head, like, hey man, we got to get Ayuk going. We got to get him revved up a little bit. So do what you got to do. And I'm sure Warner saw that, cracked his knuckles, and said, "Say no more." Um, okay, enough about the fight. Let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, who conveniently was on the field Tuesday along with NFL Network and their gang. So Garoppolo is off, thrown to the side, and I'm sure you saw some of the reports where he's throwing upwards to 50 yards. He he looked good. He looked like a, a guy, I guess the real takeaway is Jimmy looked like a player who had been throwing for a long time. Like if he just really started throwing, he's probably not going to be launching balls down the field 40, 45 yards. But 
Um, he looked healthy. The, the real main takeaway was there was a group of, of fans in the crowd where he was throwing in. They were just talking crap to him. They were throwing everything at him. And not only talking crap, like they were obviously cheering for him. But at the same time, there if there was one positive, there would be one negative. And they're just going back and forth. And he's a pro. He's heard it all. He was easy to ignore that. But the one thing that got under his skin was when one teenager, uh, uh, mind you, a teenager. So you can tell in his voice, this is a kid. And he basically challenged Jimmy to a race. And Jimmy perked up. Was I'm not going to say he wasn't happy about that, but in a stern voice said, who said that? And I'm sure he was just ready to compete. But that kind of gives you an idea of, you know, just these guys ready at all times to compete. But also to kind of block out all the noise. Um, you mentioned this when, before we got on, though. Very convenient for him to pick the day, not Monday, not Saturday, not any other day that we've been out here. Uh, to go out and throw when the cameras are shooting. Not just the cameras are shooting, you get NFL Network, uh, who's on site. So NFL Network and their guys, right, Mike Yam, Ian Rappaport, et cetera, they travel around to different training camps and they spend, I think, like a day or two or whatever at every every team's training camp. And it just conveniently happened to be the day that they were at 49ers HQ uh, on Tuesday. And that also happened to be the day that Jimmy Garoppolo was throwing kind of on the side backfield um there and i think that's the only day he's been there uh while practices were going on so that seemed pretty awfully convenient i know he had a long conversation with steve mariucci i know he, i already talked to ian Rappaport, so clearly just getting his uh his name out there uh looked like his tan and his hair game were on point though it, it, he was in mid-season form looked like he just got back from like cancun looked phenomenal yeah, he did. He did look great. And uh, there's no doubt about it. A great point that he he's in prime uh, vacation mode. So wonder what happens next with Jimmy. Still think that there's probably a better chance that he gets released um, just with, you know, everything that's going on around uh, whether it's salary, whether, the, you know, the rest of the the rest of the teams in the league uh, and their need for quarterback. Um, so no changes there. Uh, let's talk about uh, stock up, stock down. Let's talk about who's been shining who needs to do better. And I think the best place to start that, you know, just uh, stock up is Brandon Ayuk because every day he makes a pretty impressive catch. His most impressive catch yesterday was, so if Trey Lance's throws are off, it's not really an issue because Ayuk has these go-go gadget type of arms where if the ball is high, if the ball is low, he can go get it. He can, so he can be running full speed one way and easily contort his body the other way to make a catch. Uh, again, his athleticism is like he's the best athlete, I would say, as far as the receivers go. If Trent Williams wasn't on the team, he would be the best athlete on the team. And I I feel pretty confident about saying that. So uh, everything that he does, whether it's down the field, uh, they're starting to use him more down the field, which is nice, which is what they need to do. I think we're seeing more shot plays on offense and Ayuk has been that guy. It's a very specific route, but um, everything that he does, it looks like he's going to be the wide receiver one. And that, again, that, that sounds like training camp talk, training camp fluff, but I think they have a very specific role on how they want to use Debo, which obviously last year was a great role. And it's not going to probably involve a bunch of carries, but these underneath throws get, I, or sorry, get Debo running after the catch. But I think Ayuk's going to be more of the isolated one-on-one wide receiver, and that's kind of come to fruition into training camp. So uh, that that would be my guy. Um, if I'm going to piggyback that and go stock down, 
I just I wonder what they're going to do with Juwan Jennings. I wonder if he's going to be a guy that is only relegated to, you know, third and five, third and six type of catches. And which, again, it's it's not entirely true. But when you have a guy like Ayuk who has a clear and defined role, same with Debo. And I think the case is true for uh, Danny Gray as well, who apparently just beats everybody deep and can run or I guess the other route that he's not running when he's um, it's not a deep ball is he's just going to run a short crosser and he's, they're going to hope that he outruns everybody, which is not a bad plan because he can fly. So that is when that comes down to Juwan Jennings or Ray Ray McLeod. And I think with Jennings, it just, he, so he's, he's kind of proven this week. And I think this was true uh, last year as well. He's not really a guy who can win on the outside one-on-one. So they're going to just sit on his routes and he doesn't really create separation down the field. So like when Jennings is at his best, it's obviously making tough catches over the middle, but most of his routes have to be timed up. And it just, I don't know how much of his defense making plays. Trent Williams had a great point about that where, Hey, they know our plays. Uh, they know what we're doing. And that's why he can, you can kind of cut Trey Lance some slack, but I don't know if we can do the same for Juwan Jennings. So uh, I would go for sock up and sock down both receivers. Um, Brandon, you looking good. And, I just want to see more from Juwan Jennings. What What's your takeaway from those? Two? I think as you were talking about Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, I, I thought of an NBA analogy, and I'm not sure how many of our listeners know, and maybe, you know, this might be a bit of a stretch, but Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk kind of has a Giannis, Chris Middleton type feel, where Debo feels like Giannis, the more athletic freak, clearly the alpha in the wide receiver room. But when the Bucks need a bucket late and they need someone – who's more quote unquote skilled, they go to Chris, they dump the ball off to Chris Middleton and say, Hey, go get us a bucket. And it feels like that's what the Niners are going to do with Brandon Ayuk this year, where when they want to isolate someone one-on-one, when they just need yards, I feel like it's going to be Brandon Ayuk. That's going to be the guy this year, not Debo Samuel yet. It feels like everyone's talking Debo Samuel up to be like the clear wide receiver one in that room. Might be a bit of a stretch, but it's kind of what I was thinking as, as, as you were talking and agree on the Juwan Jennings stuff with, with, when it comes to his separation. Yet somehow last year, every time on third down, they needed six yards or seven yards or first down. Juwan Jennings seemed to be the guy making a play. And I think it's pretty clear they've got five talented receivers in that room, right? Samuel, Ayuk, Jennings, McLeod, uh, and Danny Gray. And now who's really the sixth guy that's going to make the roster? Is there anyone you've seen that jumps out someone we've talked about actually yes there is and his name is malik turner so that is a guy who they have been using down the field it was actually interestingly enough uh they used turner on the very first play of a red zone drill where with the entire team and they threw a fade to him and they're kind of that's what i guess we're kind of seeing so some downfield shots to turner i think the first five are pretty locked in and Turner's going to be the guy, the sixth guy. So, again, they have to play it out. But based on the usage early on, I think it's going to be uh, Malik Turner. Let's let's talk about the offensive line. So you wrote about Spencer Burford, and that's the right guard. But that wasn't expected coming in. We thought maybe it would be Jalen Moore, who's been working exclusively at right tackle when Mike McGlinchey isn't in, or he'll go to the left side when Trent Williams isn't in. Um we thought maybe it'd be like one of the other young, or either Daniel Brunskill, who again, who he's been exclusively working with the center, whether it's first team or the second team. But no, it, it seems like through six days, every rep with the first team at right guard has been Spencer Burford. So 
I don't think there has to be any guessing left. I, I was asking Kyle Shannon a little bit, like, why? Like, what do you think? What do you see in him? So there's a lot to ask from a fourth rounder who didn't play this position last year, and now he has to play this at the very highest level. Um, you're breaking him in with a first-year starting quarterback and the same thing with the left guard and probably a center who hasn't played in a few years in Jay Brindle, who's been getting the majority of reps with the first team. So uh, I guess what were some of the things you touched on in the Spencer Burford article? I think it's it's just surprising if you're, you know, someone who didn't pay close attention from OTAs to training camp when you saw, wow, Spencer Burford, this fourth-round rookie out of UTSA, I think, who's now taking all the first-team reps at right guard. And I, I think it kind of gives you a window into how Kyle Shanahan philosophically views the offensive line. He cares about centers and tackles. I mean, make no mistake about it. Just look at where they've spent premiums in the past, right? They've drafted tackles high. Mike McGlinchey, they've traded a third and a fifth. They've paid Trent Williams, made him the highest, you know, paid left tackle ever, which makes complete sense. And then centers, they've signed guys like Weston Richburg. They went outside Alex Mack last year. Um, it, it's clear he values what the center position brings, not only from a physical standpoint, but from a, you know, a cerebral standpoint in terms of protections and, um, you know, that relationship with the quarterback. He really values, I think, having a veteran there and not, you know, a younger player. And so that's I think that's why you see Jake Brendel and Dan Brunskill probably competing at the center spot. And at the same time, I think got with guards, they've generally just gone the bargain bin route. I mean, Lake and Tomlinson, they traded day three, pick four, and they got pretty lucky, even though he was a first round talent. And then on the other side, they've had Dan Brunskill, former AAF player. They've drafted, you know, a bunch of different guys. I know they spent a second round pick on Aaron Banks, but generally it just seems like they throw the kitchen sink at the guard spot by, you know, with draft picks or cheap signings. And they go the expensive route for the other three positions. And it seems to be uh, the theme again this year. And with Burford, six foot five, I think he's almost 300 pounds. He has the mobility to play the position. Um, you know, you've been there. Jordan's been there. It sounds like everyone's pretty impressed with his performance so far. Just holding up in like both one-on-one -on -one reps, taking all the first team reps and team drills. He's going up against one of the best defensive lines in all of the NFL. And he seems to be holding up pretty well. So, you know, it's early. It's only been six days. I think you'll get uh, better insight when you have the combined team practices, right, with like Minnesota, for instance, or the preseason games where he's going up against a different team. He gets to see different defensive tackles, with different pass rush moves, and different stunts, and just see what he looks like. And honestly, if you get a starting right guard out of a fourth-round pick, that's that's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, you can't ask for much more than that. So you brought up Lincoln Tomlinson. When they traded a seventh round, whatever, the day three pick that they sent, I forgot what it was, there was no way that the team thought that they were going to get like five years of a starting left guard every game. And the yeah. last two years, honestly, he was like a borderline Pro Bowl level. So uh, they did invest a second rounder in Aaron Banks, who, again, he's a left guard. There has been no wavering from that. That's pretty much his position as well. Um, it. For both of those two, and there's going to be inconsistencies probably all season, there are some plays, some practices, some series even where, you know, it's like, whoa, this guy has a long way to go. And then there's a few reps where it's like, oh, this guy can play. It has been like there are, again, some series where Trey Lance has plenty of time. Is some series where there are these running wide open running lanes for the running backs. So it's kind of going back and forth between 
Trey having to scramble for his life as opposed to Trey just having all day in the pocket. So I imagine that's going to change once they stop playing the 49ers defensive line. Uh, they are very, very good. So maybe uh, stock up should be talking about some of the 49ers defensive line. Honestly, uh, Kevin Givens, uh, Robert Kimdiche, Charles Aminihu, all three of those players look very, very good. Kimdiche, the only thing that's really stopping him from making the team because he's been living in the backfield. And yes, he's been going against the backups mostly, but with the second and third team. Uh, he has gotten into it with Kyle Shannon a few times just because he's tackled the guy, taking him to the ground. It's not something that they do. So aside from that, you would think that he's one of the starters. Kevin Givens looks like a, you know, a very explosive young player. Uh, defensive tackle, he's been filling in. He was always going to make the roster, but just seems like he's getting stronger and stronger. And then Charles Aminihu was the kind of the next man up, I think. if So you have your four starters. I would imagine 94 is the next guy in, whether it's subbing in for Eric Armstead inside, playing on the edge outside. Uh, he's getting reps. He's been getting reps with the first team, even when Armstead was out there. So I think they have high hopes for Aminihu. I think that's going to be the this year's version of Arden Key. He's he's an athlete and he's a lot longer than you think he is as far as like his bigger. length goes. Yep. And I was I was talking to Rob Ladder about this the other day. So he walks by and Aminihu looks like a really good athlete, tall, um, in shape. And then Nick Bosa walks by, who to say that he looks like a really good athlete would be the understatement of the year. He looks like an action figure. Um, it's that guy. I'm there's not really much to say about Bosa that hasn't been said. He I don't know how he just keeps getting in a better shape. Um, pretty excited to see what he can bring to the table and how he helps guys like Charles and Minnie and the rest of the youth along the defensive line. But those three is who I would say about for stock up. And if we're sticking to the script and stock down and probably could do this for every position, uh, I don't know if Kerry Hyder has done enough. So again, like there's the locked in starters with Bosa, Kinlaw, Armstead, Evercom who Ebucom has been making plays too, which is good. Drake Jackson isn't going anywhere. He's a second round pick. Uh, has he been doing much? Not really. Like he has the speed around the edge. Like he kills the third team tackles. He probably shouldn't be with the third team, but I don't know if he's done enough to be with the first team. I imagine slowly, but surely he'll work, he'll work his way up. Uh, Jackson was probably going to be a guy who can come in on third downs, I guess is the best way to put it. But um, so that's designated pass rusher. Right. Designated pass rusher. That's a good a good spot for him. So there's five. And Kevin Givens, Hassan Ridgeway is going to make the team because he's a space eater. You have Charles and Minihew. And that kind of leaves and Jordan. I would imagine Jordan, Jordan Wilson is going to make the team. So if it comes down between Kim Diche, Ture, and Hyder, I think Hyder might be the odd guy out. So he has been playing more inside than outside, but I think they can get by with like a Minihu doing that. And obviously Armstead's going to be on the field. So I don't know what Hyder does better than the other guys who I listed. So he would, he would be the odd man. Now, would that surprise you to see if they cut uh, Hyder? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, when uh, the 49ers signed him with all the depth that they had on the uh, long defensive line, it was pretty clear that, you know, they were going to try and see, just throw competition at the position and let the cream rise to the top. And based on what you said, he's obviously older than some of the other guys that you mentioned, right? Whether that's uh, Kamoko Ture, who's 26, I think, mid-20s. Same thing with Robert Kamdiche. He was, you know, a first-round pick, obviously, uh, a few years ago. So they did guarantee, I was looking this up as you were talking, uh, they did guarantee Kerry Hyder 750000 uh, out of his one and a half million dollars, not significant. So I, I can see them releasing him. I don't think they'd hold him 
over a quarter million dollars. So I could see that, but I, I saw Baldy say this too, that Niners, I think he was at camp yesterday or maybe earlier this week. The Niners have probably the deepest defensive line in the NFL. And uh, yeah, would, would tend to agree there. I would imagine that Aminu started the way he looks. Aminu would start for a lot of teams. Uh, Teray is like, he's more of a designated pass rusher too. And he, he doesn't look bad. It's just that they're the guys that are in front of him. Uh, let, let's talk about the secondary. So uh, stock up, stock down. For those of you who are unaware of Charvarius Ward, you are going to be very familiar with him uh, this season. Every practice. So he did not practice on Tuesday. And my thinking, he got a Veterans Day maintenance day. My thinking was so that the 49ers can actually throw the ball down the field because whenever they throw the ball, he gets a hand on it, whether it's breaking up the pass, whether it's intercepting the pass. He is quite good. He's one of the few guys who can run with um, – whether it's, you know, Brandon Ayuka, he, there was a play on Saturday where Ray McLeod had a step on him on a deep post. It looked like it would have been a touchdown. It wasn't really underthrown. Ward just caught up in a high point of the ball. It's something that you don't, you haven't really seen if you've been watching the 49ers secondary for the past couple of years from the cornerback. So I think that he's going to give D'Amico Ryan's a lot more freedom to be able to call what he wants to call, to be able to run like these single high coverages and put pressure on the quarterback to confuse a quarterback with different looks because I have a corner on one side who I don't really have to worry about. So I can kind of funnel my coverage and the defense to the rest of the field. So really looking forward to see how they use Ward. If he's going to follow around the other team's top wide receiver. Um, I don't know if that's that big of a deal, but just early on here, he looks like the real deal. Like he looks like the guy and Mosley, Emmanuel Mosley looks pretty good too. Uh, Yesterday, Tuesday, Jason Brett was actually warming up. So I wonder if, uh, soon enough, he'll be a guy that gets eased into practice, but he has to be cleared from the pup list. Charvarius Ward's are, like easily stock up, and I don't know if, if you could say stock up for a guy like that, but I'll say Car- uh, Kadar Holman, who is wearing 24. So it's like, wait, is Kevin Williams here? But he was the first guy in at cornerback for Charvarius Ward, and that was kind of interesting just because, you know, Hasn't really, like, if you didn't know any better, you didn't know who he was. Uh, he just signed with the Packers, I believe. Kind of, I don't want to call him a no-name because he's in the NFL, but, like, he's, he's a less heralded name. He's probably going to make the roster based on just him going in first alone. Like, they're obviously giving a bunch of other guys shots. Ambry Thomas got a chance. Uh, D'Amador Lenore got a chance. But it was it was Holman who was the one who was consistently in there without Traverius Ward. He can play a little slot, too, and which he has done during practice. But I would say he is a guy who would be like the real stock up. Uh, he's probably earned himself early on here on the roster spot. And if we go stock down, uh, I think everybody who has been there would would agree that it's Ambry Thomas. He just, I mean, he's he's been the guy that's been getting burned. Uh, whenever you see these Danny Gray plays, it is because Ambry Thomas, like he cannot stay with Danny Gray. And even if he is staying with Danny Gray, he can't find the ball in the air. Malik Turner got him on a deep pass earlier this year or earlier this week. Juwan Jennings, who I just mentioned, uh, can't separate, separated from Ambry Thomas. If we were keeping stats from on Ambry Thomas's training camp, it would not look pretty. So uh, he's a third rounder, so he's probably going to make the team. And actually, uh, Scott McLuhan, one of the things that he said is third rounders. If I'm a third rounder, he's going to get two years, like no matter what. So I imagine they're going to see what they can do with Ambry Thomas, whether it's special teams, whether hopefully there are no injuries, but um, based on this first week of camp, he is a guy who you would feel reluctant to put on the field. And honestly, 
I don't know if the motion is the right word, but he, he's been practicing more with the threes than he has with the ones. So uh, is that is that a surprise to you to hear that Amber Thomas is having that kind of trick camp so far? Not a surprise. I, th- I feel like people were uh, probably higher on Amber Thomas coming into training camp, just given the way he ended the season, right? He played a lot down the stretch. Um, and obviously he had the big interception against L.A., I remember in the Green Bay game when he couldn't play and Dante Johnson had to start, there was just a large outcry, like, oh, man, like Dante Johnson has to play over Ambry Thomas. And I'm like, man, the the season is really flipped for for this rookie out of Michigan. But not surprised to hear that. I mean, they went out and signed Charverius Ward. Then they went ahead and drafted another outside corner in Tariq Castro Fields. They, they added Samuel Womack, who can kind of play inside and out. And so – it's clear they were still trying to add, comp, you know, uh, competition at the position despite having Ambry Thomas play, you know, outside corner for basically the back half of the season. So it kind of tells you how they how they felt about him. Um, and yeah, so if you had, if you had to pick five corners, five outside corners who make this team, who have you got so far? Yeah, it's tough because I don't know if we can count Jason Verrett. So you have Mosley. You have Ward, Charvarius Ward, I should say. So, by the way, Charvarius Ward, Tarvarius Moore, Jimmy Ward. Somebody is going to confuse those three at some say point. Say that eight times there's, fast. There's no doubt about it. So, okay, yeah, we have Charvarius, we have Emmanuel. I, Sammy Womack's going to make the team. And he actually got a rep with the ones, or I should say a series with the starters on Tuesday. So, that's three right there. After that is where it gets dicey. Cardar Card- uh, Holman, so we'll count him as four, even though he's probably going to be an inside guy too. Who knows what how they use him, but I would imagine he makes the roster, and Womack probably gets the benefit of the doubt as a draft pick anyway. So those four, plus I like you would think Jason Red is part of that if he can do anything if he can run. So outside of him, if it's not Verrett, it's going to be between Ambry and Diamondor Lenore. So the, the draft picks from last year. And, I mean, Ambry probably just gets the heads up or the leg up just because, you know, he's a higher draft pick. Maybe they stash Tariq Castro Fields. Deont- uh, Dante Johnson, he's been playing more like inside, and he was actually playing more like safety. So I don't know if you can technically count him as a cornerback. Like, there, there are a lot of names here, but I'm, I'm not so sure. Like once you get past the depth, once you get past the initial depth, um, there are for sure question marks. I, I feel comfortable with uh, Tarverius Moore safety. I would not feel comfortable with George Odom at safety, like based on how he's looked. Like some of the some of the younger names, like people want Leon O'Neill to be a thing. Like he just doesn't look like a guy who can contribute right away. So um, I guess the biggest takeaway is let's just hope that there are no injuries because Jimmy Ward does look good. Talanoa Hufunga does look good. But after those guys and after the starters, that's when – that, um, like Brian, are you Danny Gray? That's when they start to really uh, get some of their work done. Okay, we we haven't talked about the quarterback so far, Trey Lance, who um, I think you kind of have a good idea of who he is right now, or, or I guess who he is at this point in his career. So I would say, ironically enough, he's better throwing the ball down the field, whether that's throwing go routes, throwing posts, throwing anything over 15 yards is what he feels comfortable. Like he, I think he just trusts his arm. Like he, he's better when he doesn't have to like aim it underneath. Uh, the accuracy doesn't have to be on, on par, I guess. 
I'm trying to think of the he different routes and the different things. Yeah, like he doesn't have to think about it enough. His mechanics don't play as big of a part when he's launching the ball or even when he's rolling out and gets a chance to set up. And again, it's tough because there are so many plays where you're seeing these completion and attempts tweeted out during the during practice. And a lot of those don't count just because he's been sacked uh, because he's under duress from the defensive line. But when he does have a chance to set his feet and throw consistently, he does look good. But that hasn't been consistent. I think that's kind of hurting Trey's ability to work on his mechanics and get better and kind of fine tune where he wants to throw his arm angle. When you're watching him in warmups, sometimes he'll have a three quarter release. Sometimes it'll be over the top. Sometimes it'll drop down even to sidearm. And I think that kind of messes him up where his sequencing can't be one, two, three throw. So everything's a little wonky. But the further he goes along in practice, the more he warms up. And once we're getting to like the ninth and 10 periods, that's when Trey Lance looks like a, a you know, third overall pick. So it, it's kind of, it's, he's an interesting character. I would say like, you can see the talent, like it's so obvious that he's talented, but there are still like the misses where yesterday he had a play, did a great job of climbing the pocket. Um, wasn't like he was under duress, didn't panic, keeps his eyes down the field, has Brandon Ayuk on an inbreaker about 15 yards down the field. And then he just kind of sprays the throw and the, the ball lands at his feet. And then there are other plays where like Ayuk runs a corner route 25 yards down the field and he like, places it perfectly. So uh, there is going to be a lot more variance in Jimmy. And we kind of knew that coming in. I think the big takeaway is that there are going to be tons more explosive plays. So if there are like the discrepancies where he's like, and like if Jimmy were to go seven for 12 and Trey goes seven for 15, the difference is Trey's going to have like two or three more explosive plays. So the offense will probably not only be on schedule, but be ahead of schedule since, you know, there, there are more first downs. So, uh, and there, we haven't even seen his effect on the running game yet, but just because, you know, it is practice, but um, well, I guess, what are you looking to see from Trey once we get to uh, the preseason games? I think just for him to be more comfortable in this offense, right? I think right now, I think you described kind of a situation pretty well. He's been maybe hit or miss is probably the wrong word, but um, just high variance, right? A ton of explosive plays, but at the same time, he's probably missing throws that maybe Jimmy Garoppolo has made routinely over the past few years, right? They just play different styles uh, of quarterback, and it's, it's hard to compare and like you mentioned, I think you're going to get more explosives out of Trey Lance in the passing office and passing offense, excuse me. And, and the 49ers offense as a whole did have, I think they were second or first in explosive pass play rate. And honestly, a lot of those came on underneath throws that then, you know, Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle then, you know, uh, after the catch was able to make explosive, I think they're going to be able to hit over the top plays more often this year than they did with, Jimmy Garoppolo, but at the same time, it's going to come at a cost, right? It's going to come with mistakes. It's going to come with misses underneath. It's going to come with, you know, other mistakes that I think the 49ers are just going to have to live with. And I think early on in the preseason, you just want to see him get out there, be comfortable. Um, yeah, just get get more into rhythm and just see the progression kind of as the season builds on. Because, you know, we've talked about this. If you kind of compare this to the 2019 season, early on, hopefully he doesn't have to do much, right? They're going to depend on this defense. Hopefully they can get the run game going once they figure out the interior of this offensive line. And just you just hope that as the season goes on, he's able to figure this out because clearly it's a talented roster. Clearly they should have double-digit wins. They should probably make the playoffs. And so you're just hoping by that point he's able to figure it out sort of. So just, just I think, can he be comfortable in the preseason is kind of what you're looking for. 
I think the first half is really their extended preseason where Kyle Shannon is going to look to tweak uh, to get the right lineups in there to see, you know, who's working with who well. And that goes not just for Trey and the receivers and the running backs, but the offensive line as well. Like there are going to be a lot of moving parts. We haven't talked about the running backs. I think if you didn't know any better, you would think that Trey Sermon and Jordan Mason were the best running backs on the team. Uh, Elijah Mitchell has runs where like he had a nice splits pickup. He is the clear cut starter. Um, Ty Davis price, like he's up and down, but that's to be expected for a rookie. And then, I mean, Jeff Wilson hasn't been out there in a couple of days. I, I believe he's nursing an injury, but um, they go up and down. Like they're, they, there's one day where like Jordan Mason, whenever he touches the ball, it's like, whoa, like this guy, again, if you didn't know he was an undrafted free agent, you would probably think he's one of the starters. I think it's going to be very tough to keep him off the roster. The Trey Sermon looks bigger, more decisive. I think he's probably the best receiving back. Like, he looks comfortable catching the ball out of the backfield. So, uh, between those two, those two, it'll be – I'm looking forward to watching them in the preseason and then obviously see how this offensive line gets. And then I want to see Trey just launch it, honestly. I want to see him go against somebody besides uh, the 49ers, which coming up in a couple of weeks he's going to get a chance to go against the Vikings. And I think we're going to learn so much more about this team and, like, the individual players uh, when that happens and – uh, soon enough, man. So the first week's been fun and we're going to by next week, you know, we'll be able to wrap up training camp. But that's going to do it for us today. Um, as always, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars wherever it is you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. I'll be uh, giving you some updates for the rest of the week and uh, into Dwight Clark Day on Sunday for what's going been going down at training camp. Akash, where can we find you? You can find me at Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Again, as always, subscribe, rate, and review. Not a change podcast network. We appreciate you listening. KP, are you there through next week through preseason? When, when are uh, – how long are you there? No, I'm taking off after Dwight Clark Day. So um, I don't think the final couple practices are available to the media, and I imagine they'll be light work anyway with the preseason game. So uh, no interest in watching a preseason game live, so I'm out. Makes sense. No, I think – Having you there, having Jordan there, you guys have been doing a fantastic job covering the practices so far. Uh, so yeah, check out their stuff as well at NinersNation.com. Go check out the website. Go check out the podcast. We appreciate you. And as always, go Niners.